This morning, I'm going to speak on a miracle at midnight. Look at your neighbor and say, a miracle at midnight. I want to read to you from Acts 16, verse 16. Now, it happened as we went to prayer that something broke loose. Someone say, something broke loose. We'll talk about that in a moment. Then the multitude rose up together against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, Paul and Silas, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. It wasn't enough that they had been beaten and they were bleeding, but now their feet went into the stocks. But at midnight, someone look at your neighbor and say, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were complaining and fussing. Paul and Silas were doubting God. Paul and Silas were saying, what did we do wrong? Paul and Silas were doubting the goodness of God. Look at your neighbor and say, no. No, at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns and praise to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly, someone say suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison was shaken. And immediately, someone say immediately, all the doors were opened and everyone's chains. Someone say everyone. Chains were set free or were loosed. A miracle at midnight. Isaiah 60 and 22, before I pray, this is what the Lord says. At the right time, I, the Lord, will make it happen. There's a miracle at midnight. At the right time, says the Lord, what you're believing for, what you're standing for, what you're asking to be developed in you, whatever that looks like, he says, at the right time, I will make it happen. Someone give him a shout of praise this morning. <laughs> Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. Holy Spirit, I welcome you to do what only you can do. In my weakness, be strong. Come, Holy Spirit, I'm betting on you. Come and do what only you can do. Whisper into my brothers and sisters' ears what I don't even say. Lord, you said if I really loved you, I would feed your sheep. That means I must obey what you give me, and I must speak it, Lord, and I must go with it because you love your people more than I love my brothers and sisters in this room. Awaken us to the possibility of a miracle at midnight. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. I don't know about you, Devin, but if I was going to get a miracle, I'd want it after my first cup of coffee. Come on now. Mine would be tea. I'm not a coffee drinker. Or even just wake me up, Jesus. Come on. 6.30 and give me a miracle. Or maybe if I was going to time a miracle right before lunch so I could eat a good old hearty meal and that gut feeling of is this ever going to happen is gone. Or maybe mid-afternoon so I could take a long toasty nap. Come on, somebody. Or maybe bring that miracle before the dinner bell rings like anybody rings a bell for dinner. But let's go with it. That, you know, let the miracle come then so so I can ease on back, sit on the couch and veg out and say, he did it, he did it, he did it. Or maybe God before bedtime, so I won't wake up in the middle of the night worrying about how you're going to do it. Maybe you could do it before my head hits the pillow, and I would know that you have done what only you could do. But Lord, why do you want to wait till midnight? God wants to wait till midnight so he can receive all the glory. God wants to show others what he does in you. He 
does at the best time. He does it at a Kairos moment. Look at your neighbor and say Kairos which is a set time, at the right time, says the Lord, I will make it happen. There's some midnight miracles through the scripture. At midnight, speaking uh, metaphorically, God closed the doors on the ark. He could have closed the doors on the ark way before it started raining, but the Bible says on the very same day that rain began to fall, God put Noah and his family in the ark and he shut them in. I don't know about you, but if it's going to rain and destroy the earth, I'd like to get in the ark a night before just to make sure I make it. Come on, somebody. But God gets them in there on that very day and then he shuts the door. I love it that there was only one door and there is only one way to heaven and his name is Jesus Christ. It is not Buddha. It is not legalism. It is not the law. It is not my theory or my feel good. It is only through faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of the Almighty God, that we can enter into heaven. Somebody give him a shout of praise. At midnight, Passover, the death angel crossed over Goshen where the Israelites lived. You see, God could have driven the Egyptians out with the frogs, but he hardened the heart. I don't know about you, but if frogs were in every room in my house, every pot I had, every bedroom, every closet, I'd say, give up. Come on, somebody. And then there was the hail and the locust, and there was the lice. Just keep moving forward. There was the gnats. There was all these things, but the Bible says God waited till midnight, and he kept hardening Pharaoh's heart. You wonder why God did that? Because he wanted Israel to know and he wanted you and I to know when I lift up my hand to do this miracle, I want to make it as hard as possible in the eyes of other people so no one will say Rhonda Davis pulled herself out. So no one will say Barb Sally pulled herself out. So no one will say Monica pulled herself out. So all will say it was the power of the almighty God that pulled them out. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. And he waited till the darkness came and when the death angel was coming and he said, put the blood on your doorpost and at midnight, everyone say midnight. The death angel will pass over here, over your house, if you put that blood on your doorpost. That was a miracle at midnight. And I love it today that when the enemy comes up to you or the enemy comes up to me and says to God, inside that house is a little cruel tongue. Inside that house is a little anger. Inside that house is a little insecurity. And the angel of the Lord says to the devil, the Lord rebuke you, Satan, because what you don't see is the blood is not on the door post but it is on the hearts of everyone that lives in that house and because the blood is on their hearts you've got to pass this house on by somebody give Jesus a shout of praise and at midnight God delivered his people and they came across the Red Sea at midnight Haman's gallows were built and God turned it around. The father of the prodigal son wished that his son had never walked away from him. You see, God was a perfect parent and Adam and Eve still failed. If you've got a prodigal, it is not your fault today. If you've got a prodigal, they are just following the line of Adam and Eve, but they will soon cross their borders into salvation and you will give the Lord glory and praise when 
God shows you that your prodigals, your children, your grandchildren shall yet again confess the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. You can only imagine the weight on that father's heart as he kept looking for his son. No phone, no internet, no GPS, no friend that knew a friend. He was in a far land away. But this we know he kept looking. This we know he kept believing. I'm sure the doubt dealer said to him, he's too far gone. Your son is gone forever. I'm sure doubts assailed him. I'm sure that those things fought him for faith. But I also know because I've been in God's waiting room. Can I get an amen from anybody ever in God's waiting room? That somehow he got an unction. He got a dream. He got a vision. Just about the time he said, I'm done believing. Just about the time he he said, I'm not going to stand anymore for that miracle. God would visit him in the night and give him hope. When you can't see a visible sign, when you can't believe for what you need to believe in, I believe the mighty one of Israel will visit you in the night and give you a song in the night and he will pour his unfailing love over you in the day and you'll wake up saying, I still believe in my midnight miracle. Come on somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise in this house look at your neighbor and say there's a miracle at midnight and then there was that day that the prodigal son his father saw him crossing the field wiped his eyes couldn't believe it you know the Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick I'm talking today about a miracle at midnight. It makes the heart sick, but that verse also goes to say that when a dream is fulfilled, it is a tree of life. Jacob was ready to go down to his grave because he thought Joseph was dead. It had been all those years, and his brothers came back and said he's alive. I don't believe it. But the Bible says in the book of Genesis, when Jacob saw the Egyptian carts coming across the plain to his house where he lived, when he saw them coming, he believed that his son was alive. And he began to say, my hope. The Bible says his spirit was revived. The Bible says that one sudden break can turn everything around. I don't know about you, but I've built my camp in the camp of the hope deferred and the heart sick. But then God comes around at midnight and he does something. He shows you something. And suddenly you see my vision, my life is renewed and I'm going to live and see the glory of God somebody give him a praise in this house even the Bible says of Jesus midnight miracle a miracle at midnight then the fullness of time God sent his son that actually means in the Greek when time was full some of you are waiting for some things but time is not full for that yet God is working on some things. Don't get ahead of him. That's the adage I've said so many times, and I put it on Facebook so many times. The only thing worse than waiting on God is wishing you had waited on God. If you jump ahead of God, if you take matters into your own hand, and you get on the other side, and you just like Abraham, and you birth an Ishmael, you will regret it for the rest of your life. God has a set time and a Kairos time. Psalms 102 says, you will arise and have mercy on your people for the time to favor her. Yes, the set time has come. Someone say, my set time is coming. 
That word time in the Hebrew is moed. And it means an appointed time, an appointed place, an appointed seed. We are to proclaim things and decree things for these miracles at midnight. But when it comes down to it, only God can bring forth the miracle at midnight. When we've done all we know to do, when we've stood, when we've prayed, and we've loved, we're not going to put those things away in some attic back there that we got to dig them up. But we want to be like the heart of the father of the prophet. That is every week expecting. We're going forth and doing what God is calling us to do. But at the same time, we say, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I know you're going to do it. I know you're going to come and retrieve my finances. I know you're going to heal my broken relationships. I know you're going to save those prodigals. I know you're going to heal my body. I know that you're going to do it. But in the meantime, I shall wait for the set time and I am not taking it out of your hands somebody give him a shout of praise well this week's water walker is the apostle Paul it's funny when we had the men's rehab there was a man that was new to Christ and uh, he was a lot of our Wednesday night uh, talks and he asked Pastor Hank and I one day he'd never been in church and he said, why, whenever y'all mention that one man's name, you both cry? And we couldn't, and, I, and, and I, if I wasn't just on three hours of sleep today just because of a little physical situation, I would probably cry through this whole service. Because we looked at him and we said, we don't know how to tell you. But to every believer, the Apostle Paul is the epitome of someone's life who was transformed by the grace of Jesus Christ. He is the epitome of somebody that endured so much and he kept on going. He kept persevering. We'll get going to that in just a moment. Did you ever take one of those stress tests back when we had emails? You know, it was like, check this if, and let's just see if you're stressed. And it'd have like 27 things. Anybody remember that back in the email days? If you, if it's not on social media, us old timers. And it's so funny because a lot a lot of people that were around me took that test online, Mish, and it's funny. I mean, it would go down, have you moved in the last year? Have you parted your hair on the side? Have you moved your shoe to the left? Um, did you comb your dog's hair? I mean, it would go on and on. Well, the bottom line is you were stressed when you got done with this test. And, and you know, because everything on there had gone on with you. Someone say, that's life. But the Apostle Paul is someone who could check more boxes than anybody in Scripture who endured more than anybody. Have you ever encountered someone whose life speaks so powerfully to you because of what they've survived? I mean, if you've been living on Easy Street, I really don't care to hear from you. I don't. I mean, if you've just been, you know, out on a lily pad, uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm just going to leave it there, doing whatever you do out on a lily pad, and you just never got any trouble. Well, first of all, you're not human. But secondly, I would doubt your honesty. And thirdly, I would say to you, you're not part of this human race. You must be one of those robots they're building for the future. But this is what I want to say. I listen when someone has encountered something. When they speak of glory after suffering and they suffered, I'm listening. When they speak of joy after sorrow, I'm listening. When they speak of blessings when they've been under pressure, my heart listens to them. And the apostle Paul was the indomitable water walker. He kept singing in his pain, singing in the, in the rain, rejoicing in suffering, and he kept on going. He was a water walker. Somebody give him a hand in case heaven is listening. He was hardened to difficulty. In fact, in one point that Pastor Hank could totally uh, quote, and I wished I could have seen when he and Paul met in heaven. 
I, I know Pastor cried, and, he, and, and Paul's part, I'm trying to get away from this guy. He just got here the other day, but, I mean, he just, he just keeps going. Jesus says, that's my man. That's my man. Paul said, I've worked much harder. I've been jailed more often. I've beaten up more times than I can count. I've been at death's door time and time. I've been flogged five times with the Jews, 39 lashes, beaten by Roman rods, pummeled with rocks. I've been shipwrecked three times, immersed in the open sea for a night and a day by myself. I've had to ford off rivers, fend off robbers, struggle with friends, struggle with foes. I've been at risk in the city and at risk in the country. I've been endangered by the desert sun and the sea storm. I was betrayed by those I called my brothers. I've known drudgery and labor. And when someone one gets to the end of their rope, I begin to hurt. If someone says to brag, what I'm going to brag on, he says in 2 Corinthians 11, I'm going to brag on the weaknesses in my life that make me strong like Jesus. I'm going to brag and say that I might know him in the fellowship of his suffering and the power of his resurrection. The apostle Paul was a water walker and you'll find out in a moment. Give Jesus a hand this morning. And the church of Jesus Christ in the New Testament were praying for a midnight miracle. They were praying for this man named Saul, who was not Paul yet. You know his story. He was killing Christians in the name of God. And the church was praying, when God win. Have you ever said to God, when God win? When will you heal this? When will you take care of that? When, Lord, will you answer my just claim that we talked about last week? When will justice be served? When will this problem be eradicated? Lord, when will this prodigal be saved? And Saul continues to sit at the table of murderers. He is headed straight into Damascus with names on a, a paper in his satchel. He has been licensed by the authorities to to drag out and kill the Christians and their children. And the church is watching like sometimes you and I are watching. And we're saying, God, when, God, when? When will you deal with that boss that's driving me crazy? Can I get an amen? When, God, when will you deal with that landlord? When, God, when will you deal with this situation? When, God, when will you complete the things in my life? But I'm going to tell you it didn't look like God was listening. But on an ordinary day, everybody got up, drank their coffee, no calligraphy in the sky and all of the sudden Saul was met by Jesus on the road to Damascus. The light threw him off of his horse and he laid there and Jesus said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, who are you? And he said, I am Jesus of Nazareth. This is Jesus coming down from heaven after the resurrection. You are persecuting me. I'm going to tell you about big road sign right here when people go against you Jesus says they're not going against you they're coming against me when people make it hard for you because you are a believer Jesus says he who touches you touches the apple of my eye Jesus says you are my people you are precious and honored in my sight and you may wonder when God will deal with situations but you're going to get up one morning with no calligraphy in the sky and you're going to see a miracle that's come at midnight and suddenly God turns it all around. Somebody give him praise in faith this morning. 
Look at your neighbor and say, a miracle at midnight. And oh, Saul was blinded, as you know. And we're going to go on to our context of our story. But I think those days of being blinded, Michael, um, to me, are so symbolic of the days in our life when God is doing that work inside us, when God is changing us, when God is rearranging and those three days he couldn't eat, and those three days he sat in darkness. But I believe the words of Jesus, John 13 and 7, what I do now you shall not understand, but later, someone say later. I believe Saul could have quoted Micah 7 and 8. Rejoice not over me, O enemy. When I fall, I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light to me. You see, the things that are formed in the dark moments of your life, the moments that you think you are hidden, the things that are formed in the dark places of your life. It is those things that have eternal wealth. It is those things that cause Saul to become Paul. The days he was hidden from everybody else and Christ said, you will serve me. But these days of being blind and being in the darkness and not understand will cause you to know that when you walk through life and you're in those moments, brothers and sisters, and you can't see what God is doing you will remember dark places and you will say all my life you have been faithful all my life you have been good I believe in the goodness of the Lord I believe it's chasing me no matter what you see in my life in the dark moments you lift your hands and say great is our God and worthy his name is to be praised and then you never forget when he pulled you out of the pit when he pulled you out of that dark season and he set your feet on the rock somebody praise him this morning come on I love that and God brother Gerald reached out to a man named Ananias I want to get to the context of our story and he told Ananias I want you to go heal pray lay hands on Saul I've chosen him and Ananias a man of prayer says back to the Lord but, Lord, he has power to kill me. He's been murdering my brothers and sisters. But the Lord said, I have chosen him. I want to say this morning, and Ananias went, and he said, Brother Saul, two of the most beautiful words of the New Testament. He laid his hands on him. I love that Jesus can call us what we will be when we are so far from it. Come on. I love it that he put it in Ananias' heart. Call him Brother Saul. He just murdered my cousin. I said, call him Brother Saul. When we first started the church, Pastor Hank had the most unusual thing that no one understood. All these prodigals, all these people who had never been into church came, and he would say, Brother Tom, meet Sister Annette. Brother Joe, meet Sister Sonia. And Keith Dudley was here, another minister, and he said, how do you know they're a brother or sister? He goes, because that's what they're going to be. And I'm going to call them that till they can be. We need to be a church that will call people to what they can be and what God has called them to be, even when they are not. We are not a church to put people down. We are not a church to condemn. We are not a church to call you what the world has called you. We are going to call you what he calls you. Can I get an amen in the house of the Lord? And to every Ananias in this room that has been faithful to go to those that look too far gone, to every Ananias in this room that you have shown mercy, you have served, you've prepared a place, you've given hope, you've taught children, you're in your place. I want to tell you, you are the official 
errand runners of God. And today, Charisma might know your name. Fox might not know your name. Maybe your neighbor doesn't know your name. But heaven knows your name today. And heaven speaks about you today. And heaven says, that's my son. That's my daughter. Somebody give Jesus a hand clap of praise. You are so loved. Saul became Paul, and he never forgot what Jesus redeemed him from. This picture, which was painted by some of our artists years ago, we've used it many different Easter's and other occasions, portrays what it was like when he encountered Christ. If I could say anything to you as a 61-year-old pastor, don't forget what Jesus saved you from. The scariest thing I've seen as pastor of this church is when people just completely forgot. God errs about themselves. Didn't care for people in recovery anymore. Didn't care for people that were going through the same thing they came out of. You know, Paul said, I'm going to take hold of that which Christ took hold of me for. Today, I want to submit and ask you in this season that God is raising up gifts and the Holy Spirit is moving among us. Are you taking hold of something for Christ? Are you taking hold of that which he took hold of you when he got him? Paul never forgot what it felt like when Jesus changed his name. He never forgot. And he said, I press on. I'm moving forward. I'm forgetting those things that are behind me. And I'm looking forward to the things that are ahead of me. I can't change yesterday. I can't change a week ago. But what I can do is today can be the first day of the rest of my life. Don't you belittle anybody for getting back up a hundred times off their backside but rejoice and celebrate and redeem them through your words can someone say amen and the day he redeemed you I don't know if it was on a Sunday or a Monday or a Tuesday or a Wednesday I don't know if you even remember Brit when you first acknowledged Jesus Christ but I do know that you did not find Jesus he found you he didn't need a GPS he didn't need something on your car he didn't have to call in the FBI CSI and all those wannabe eyes he knew where you were he positioned you if it was a soul you heard on a radio if it was a concert you went to if it was a church service he set you up for salvation and on that day heaven threw a party and said Tina Adkins just came home at church of the harvest we've been working on her for years but she just crossed the boundaries he called your name and my name and heaven partied you see we can never forget we once were one what we were but we've been called onward and upward look at your neighbor and say onward and upward Josh come help me and I'll finish his story out not quite done but I'm just it helps me for him to come up and create the atmosphere give Josh a hand you know sometimes when we're worshiping I wish that you knew the testimonies of everybody on the stage you that don't know they haven't been here long enough the worship means so much to me because it's to the king of glory. But what the worshipers are worshiping about means so much. Paul had wanted to go to Asia after his conversion, but the Spirit of the Lord forbade him not to. It seemed like that was a closed door, but the Lord called him into Macedonia. And there he landed in Philippi, which became the first European church. Why does that matter? 
I felt led of the Holy Spirit to say to someone, sometimes we think when a door is not open for us or a door is closed, that it's a lack of favor. That somehow God doesn't favor us. It's so easy. I mean, I'm a seasoned veteran. I call myself an old goat. I'm not the goat, but I'm an old goat. But even myself, sometimes things happen. And that voice says, you're not favored. You're not favored. I fight it with everything in me. I will sing out loud and not let those thoughts build an encampment in my mind. And you see, he thought the door was shut. Why won't God let me go to Asia? But he had a dream and a man from Macedonia said, come help us. Come help us. When he landed at Philippi, that began the European church, which is tender. I was sharing Wednesday night about preaching in England. I've preached to the European nations, and they come in from France and Germany and Turkey uh, with Kathy Payne. And there's interpreters, which those interpreters always said, what services is she on? <laughs> Kathy would say, Rhonda, please slow down. I said, I can't do it. Um, but the interpreters would try to go as fast as I was going, Pastor Ramon. Think about that. And uh, But the, they would come from all the nations. And to be in that large auditorium with them that went upward and to see the interpreters talking to the French and the Spanish, the Germans, all the different, and me just preaching. And I did. I would pause. And they would all smile at me. They were just going as fast as I was going. I saw them come in, and it was at one of those meetings when I threw the wannabe God off the throne that I think I said this Wednesday night. Um, I don't think I said it last Sunday, but if I did, I'm going to repeat it. And all of a sudden, a man started running through the middle of the aisle toward me. And I just kind of looked toward Kathy because I thought these were the days before security. And we all just had faith in God. <laughs> anyway, um, no, what I did, I looked over at, um, I thank God for security. Trust me. I looked over at Kathy and she went, which meant it's okay. And I threw that wannabe God off and that man ran as close as he could. And he just started snapping pictures and crying his eyes out. And later, Kathy said, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you, Rhonda. But he pastors in Turkey, and he has to meet his church underground. His life is threatened every day. And he told her in his language, he was trying to get most of what I was saying because he was bilingual. But he said, but he just knew when I was throwing that thing off. That's what he saw about his country. What I love is that sometimes when God, we think a door is closed, we are more favored than we realize. Paul was favored. A closed door can mean you're more favored. A waiting time for something to come through means you're more favored. Don't you let the enemy, don't you let the voice of doubt tell you for a moment because again that something is delayed, it's denied. Don't listen to the voice of the enemy because a lot of the closed doors in my life, when I look back, they would have changed the trajectory of my life. I was trying to push through some places God didn't want me to be. I was trying to be. Can I get an amen with some people God did not want me to be with and God shut the door let every married person say hallelujah and God shut the door but I loved it that Paul landed at Philippi and he's having a great revival and things are going great that's where Europe first got the salvation of Jesus Christ everyone that's saved in the Ukraine and Russia Germany and Greece today can thank the closed door don't deny God a door that he wants to close. And there he is, and they're having a great revival. Met a woman named Lydia, and, and there was a great revival, and things were going good. And one day on the way to prayer, it happened like this. Someone say, on the way to prayer. 
on the way to prayer. All of a sudden, a slave girl, they're, they're going to pray. And a slave girl who is filled with demonic spirits, who can tell things about your life. That's a cultic. That's not of God. They can tell you things about their life. And this girl begins to follow Paul and Silas. She's demon-possessed. And she's her owners make a lot of money off her to the people of Philippi. And all of a sudden, she began to scream for three days and follow them. These men are servants of the Most High God. They're telling you the way to be saved. Well, all of a sudden, you think this water walker would have thought, this is great marketing. This is like National Horoscope saying, listen to Bishop Jakes. Listen to Bishop Jakes. Listen to Franklin Graham. Listen to Franklin Graham. I've never heard a horoscope tell her that on TV. Have you? I've never been to one, but occasionally you catch their infomercials. Scary stuff. But you would have thought that. But no, he knew he could go viral in seven minutes and get worldwide fame. But servants of Christ, which Paul called himself over and over again, will never trade seven seconds of fame for eternal rewards. They will never trade, I can do this on the internet and be known when they know they could bring healing and deliverance and salvation and hope. He cared more for the young woman who was advertising his campaign than he did about the past or the things that could come to him. I'm going to tell you something. He got annoyed. Everyone say annoyed. And he turned back to her and he said, in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of there. He had had it. What he was annoyed with is what annoys you and I. When demonic powers and darkness take over lives, in that moment we can live in between to Hallelujah. There we go. Give him one more praise. That's two Sundays I've blown out mics. How wonderful. Give him one more praise. He's annoyed at what's breaking God's heart. And he cast that thing out of her. And she's delivered. We need our hearts to break with the things that break the heart of God. And when heaven breaks in, hell usually breaks loose. And those owners were furious. They were upset. They were mad. You see, the enemy is never really fighting you over what you were. He could care less. It's what you're going to become. It's what's in your future. It's what's in your destiny. It's what new level the Lord is putting you in. That's when he comes to mess. But I love it. They throw them in jail. They beat them. They strip them. And they put their feet inside the stocks. And this is where you think this story takes such an ugly turn. But I'm going to tell you inside every adversity is an appointment inside of the appointment. Come on. Everything that you go through, you say, God, is this evil or good? Why can't it be both? Joseph said what you intended for evil, my God intended for good. What you intended for evil, my God did for good. Well, I don't know if this is God or the devil. What does it matter? I don't know if this came from flesh or from some wicked person. What does it matter? In a thousand trials, it is not just 500 of them that God turns around, but 100% what the enemy intends for evil. God said, I will turn it for good. Somebody give him a shout 
of praise in this house. Your opportunity is often a product of your adversity, what you've been through. And here's Paul, Mr. Prodigal turned evangelist. Never forgot what it felt like to have Jesus. I don't know about you, but I don't ever want to forget, not just when he saved me, but how many can say with me, he has saved me so many times. He has saved me so many times. Not just once, not just twice. His mercy, that never-ending, reckless love of Jesus that just keeps coming for us in our pain, coming for us in our obstacles so that He can bring power from the pain, so He can bring an overcoming spirit from our obstacles, so He can bring a breakthrough anointing from our betrayal, so He can bring a forgiving spirit from the betrayal we've experienced. You see, the things you would not have gone through. He said, I wished I had not hunted down the church. I wished I had not done what I did. But all I can do today, the same thing Hank Davis said to me when I finally encountered him in 1981 or 1983. He said, I wish I could live a thousand lives to change what I put you through when I was a cocaine addict but I can't and I remember staring at him as a least student thinking is he really redeemed I knew he was he said but I will tell you this all I know that there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that flood they lose all their guilty stains he said Rhonda I can't go back and change what I did to you but today I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm asking you to receive me. I'm asking you to accept that any man that's in Christ, oh, he was relentless, is a new creature. All things are passed away and all things become new. I remember I got up from that Cracker Barrel table and cried all the way back to Cleveland. And I said, oh God, you have changed him. And I'm scared like, you know what? Come on, somebody. When Jesus does the work, it is eternal. Hallelujah. Somebody just praise him for a moment. Oh. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You're believing for someone that they'll change. There is power. You're believing for the restoration of a relationship. There's power in Calvary. Give me about five more minutes. It's 11.57. I need about five. There's power in Calvary. I didn't intend to tell that story, and you can tell because it's kind of ripping me up. It's part of my story. I share all the time, but the reminder, I think the Spirit of the Lord is reminding you and I, hallelujah, send the that those, hallelujah, that we feel sometimes are too far gone. The master's hands are reaching for them. And once they surrender, there is nothing impossible with God. Once they give up and give in, there is nothing impossible with God. I will say it to the day he takes me out of this world. I will say it over and over again. If I never saw it in anyone else, I saw it in my husband. I saw him as a 108-pound cocaine addict. And I saw him water walking in the kingdom for over 40 years of full-time ministry. I will tell you, I believe by the Spirit of the Lord. The Lord is
is bringing many sons and daughters home. Would you praise him so I can get a grip on myself? say thank you Jesus hallelujah hallelujah thank you Jesus you can just all stand I'll finish with you on your feet hallelujah thank you Jesus thank you Jesus Say, how long, God? How long do I have to wait? You say, how long do I have to believe? And I say to you in this moment, though you have seen not a glimmer of hope regarding the things you are believing me for, I, the Lord, am working. I, the Lord, am rearranging. And I, the Lord, am doing what only I can do. For did I not say that in these last days, great would be the revival and great would be the return of sons and daughters? Have I not taken a precious seed from this house and planted it in eternity that there may be reaping of many prodigals? Know that I, the Lord, am for you and I am for your prodigals and I cry when you cry. And I hurt when you hurt. And I am for you in the waiting game of healing of relationships, restoration of finances. I am with you as you believe for things that you feel are unfinished in your life. And I say to you today in the presence of my people, I, the Lord, will make it happen at the right time. Trust in me, says the Spirit of the Lord, for my power shall be seen. Praise me until the the answer comes, says the Spirit of the Lord. Can you give him a praise in this house? Thank you, Jesus. Paul said in Philippians 1 and 12, I want you to know that everything that's happened to me has been actively used by God to advance the gospel. Whatever you've been through, for I get to the moment that we're to get to, it will be used by Christ to advance the gospel. There's no darkness he can't light up, Linda. And there's no, there's no situation he can't turn around. What we've been through becomes our testimony. And when you share your testimony, I'll get to that in a moment, powerful things happen in the lives of those around us. And here is Paul and Silas in prison. Just keep standing. And here they could say, is this what happens for us doing good? We didn't manipulate that young girl. We delivered her. We did the right thing. And here we are. Here we are in jail. But the Bible says, no, that's not what they done. They began to sing, great is thy faithfulness. 
faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Or maybe they sing, to you be the glory and the honor. I will worship you, Lord, for the Lord thy God is in the midst of us. I will praise you, Father. You are good with their weak bodies and their weak voices. And all of a sudden the Bible says, the prisoners were listening. Let me tell you something. Worship is not just for the strong and the qualified. Worship is never kept just for the good doers. Worship is not just for the legends, the heroes, and the righteous. Worship is for those like me that are broken. Worship is for those you never know worship until you had to worship in a hard time. Can I get an amen? You never knew worship till words won't fail you. Standing by my husband's bed, all I could say as he entered heaven was King Jesus. King Jesus. King Jesus. I praise you. I didn't know what else to say. But I knew as long as I praised King Jesus, I could get through something I never ever saw happening. I'm going to tell you when tears fall like rain and you worship that's when you worship when your weaknesses outnumber your strength that's when you worship when your problems outnumber your blessings that's when you worship when you don't think you can stand and you can't even sit but you get on your face and lift even a finger to say I worship you Jesus that's when heaven says I hear the sound of the abundance of rain I hear the sound of thunder and lightning I hear the sound of the power of the God most high I'm going to tell you that was a love that was weathered when Paul and Silas saying to him be the glory and the power and the honor forever the other prisoners listened and said whoever they're worshiping we want to worship him too whoever they believe in if that's a God who can turn the darkness into light somebody give Jesus a praise and I'm going to finish Come on. Somebody give him a big shout of praise. The Bible says, hang with me, Psalms 149. May the praises of God be in our mouths and a double-edged sword in our hands to inflict vengeance on the nations and punishment on the people, to bind the kings with fetters, for this is the glory of all the faithful people. Praise ye the Lord. What does that mean? When they began to praise, the kingdom of darkness was bound up. When you begin to worship, addiction starts to lose its power. When you begin to worship, doubt loses its strength. When you begin to worship, the earthly kings, not people, are bound in chains. For let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. For the Lord will march out like a champion, like a warrior. He will stir up his zeal. With a shout, he will raise his battle cry and he will triumph over his enemies. When you begin to praise him, the thundering of God begins to move and all of a sudden the midnight miracle happened and the Bible said first an earthquake came and I love that it shook the foundation. Someone say the foundation. I love that God went for the bottom of the stronghold. God just doesn't heal a part of you. God goes for the foundation of the stronghold. God knows to mark out the bottom of what's trying to take you under. God doesn't go to the roof. He doesn't go to the window. He goes down and starts to thundering around the foundation of whatever's fighting you. And he shakes the foundation. Someone give him praise. 
He dismantled the groundwork. And then the doors were open, number two. And then third, all the chains were loosed. I love this so much. And I let the Spirit of the Lord preach a little bit, so I'm just going to saunter to the end. But it's all well. I'd rather him do what he wants to do. Benny Hinn just taught me recently, not dropping names. I was on a show with him. Then when the Spirit moves, don't keep going. Let him move. But I will say this, that the testimony of these two people went up before the heavens. And all those prisoners were listening. And that's when the foundation was shaken. That's when the doors were flung open. That's when the chains dropped off of every prisoner. It could have just been the two of them. You see, your praise just never breaks your fetters. It breaks the fetters on others. The keeper of the prison wakes up and he says, he's gonna, he draws his sword and is going to kill himself. And Paul yells out with a loud voice, Don't harm yourself. We are all here. Well, who is we? We know Paul and Silas are going to do the right thing. But people in there for murder and robbery are choosing to stay. Why? Because they've never heard men sing in their pain. They've never heard people proclaim this moment in the hard place. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When your co-workers watch you praise Him in a hard place. When your family watch you walk through a trial that breaks your heart. And you keep getting up and believing God. What they're going to say. I want the God that they serve. I want to know who He is. Somebody give Him a shout of praise hallelujah 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 so as I get ready to pray for you the jailer said what must I do to be saved I can't believe this and they said believe in the Lord Jesus and that's it that's it and all of a sudden listen to this they went to his house the jailer you see Paul was going to take, just deliver a girl, but now he's going to change a whole city through the adversity he went through. Don't you underestimate what God can bring through the adversity you are going through right now. Your testimony unlocks the prison doors of others. Some of you listen to me by the Spirit of the Lord. I'm going a little long. Are you still with me? This, this, if, if you're getting calculated for this, you just burn 100 calories, okay, for standing. But let me tell you this. Some of you are being fought. The Spirit of the Lord told me this morning on sharing, on your testimony, on preaching. That's because you have a key to unlock other prison doors. Don't be intimidated. Don't be undermined by the enemy because you are one of those who will unlock prisons. And the beautiful thing happens is they go to the jailer's house. All of his family gets saved. They immerse them all in water. I couldn't believe when the Lord put this sermon here today. I didn't realize until last night at midnight this baptism was in there. They all were baptized in the name of Jesus. And then something beautiful. I want to pray for you. The Bible says that the jailer prepared food before he did. He washed the wounds of Paul and Silas. The Spirit of the Lord spoke to me, and I believe it's true, that you and I have wounds we've gone through in life. When we come home to Jesus in this earth and we got saved, Jesus' scars are forever eternal. Heaven honors his scars. But I believe when you tell your testimony and you see someone touched by what you went through, 
I know for me, it washed the wounds of my divorce to Pastor Hank before I remarried him. It washed the wounds afterwards. It washes your wounds when you start to help somebody. It's like in that moment you see that God can do anything and God can. I want to tell you this morning, fight for your testimony. There's a miracle at midnight. And what we're going to do right now, we're going to lift up a great praise to the Lord. We're going to honor Him and bless Him for that which He is preparing to do. We're going to honor Him for the word that He's spoken. We're going to make a thundering praise. You'll have to continue the worship on at home, but we're going to make a thundering praise. And as, as we do, I believe that heaven is shifting just a little bit more. As we do, I believe there's some financial matters are being resolved. As we do, I believe there's some healing. I claim that right now in the name of Jesus. As we do, I believe that God is bringing some things in order. Some things you thought that were dead in your life, God is resurrecting them. I want you right now just to begin to do a thunderous praise. Come on, with hands together and shouts of hallelujah. Come on, all over this house. All over this house as if you were the only one that was praising Him. Come on, all over this house. As if you were the only one that's praising Him. As if you were the only one. And at the midnight hour, they begin to praise the Lord. At the midnight hour, they begin to sing praises. At the midnight hour, they begin to proclaim, Great is the Lord and worthy to be praised. At the midnight hour, they begin to say, Hallelujah, for you are good. Your mercy endures forever. Come on, keep praising Him just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. Hallelujah. 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 I want to hear some shouts in the house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. With every hand lifted every eye closed if you're here this morning and you're away from Jesus before we say goodbye I won't embarrass you if everyone could put your hands down please with your eyes closed but you want to come back to Jesus this morning it's never a better moment heaven's cheering you on if you just lift your hand where you are we will all pray with you we won't call you out we won't embarrass you you just lift your hand God bless you God bless you God bless you God bless you God bless you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to pray with you. I'm telling heaven's fixing to throw a big, huge party that you're coming back. Would everyone repeat after me? Dear Jesus, today I'm coming back to you. I confess with my mouth and I believe with my heart that you are Lord. Today is the first day of the rest of my life. Give me grace to walk it out. In Jesus' name. Praise Him for that one real quickly before we pray. A final goodbye for you. Hallelujah.